Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 10.45 a.m. Central Standard Time. It is the 2nd of December, 2021. And this is episode 511 of Bitcoin. And I want to talk to you about a guy named Kyle Murphy, a.k.a. the Bitcoin bum. That's at the underscore Bitcoin underscore bum. And I'm going to just read this series of tweets. What a humbling journey. When we set out a month ago to kickstart a Bitcoin standard in Austin, we were aware of the monumental size of the challenge. We would not have been able to do it without you, the plebs. After we put out this call to arms, the community showed up strong. We're completely overwhelmed by the response. It's a fucking fire under our asses, and we hit the ground running. We were prepared to sprint a marathon, and that's what we did. The coordinated effort behind the scenes at Bitcoin, or sorry, at Austin BTC Club and at Pleb Lab was really an experience unlike anything I've done before. The U.S. Army isn't this coordinated, not even fucking joking. The coolest part about the process has been watching the circular economy really take hold. Obviously, we had Duwata, that's at D-O-O-O-W-T-A, and the at Oshi app with boys on the ground onboarding businesses down in Rainy Street. But we also had John Zapright with the Zapright app behind the scenes to process Bitcoin invoices for the event sponsorship, which leads us to sponsors. I'm going to pause right here. We're going to get to the event here in a second. Just bear with me. This event is built by plebs, for the plebs. These are the Bitcoin companies that put their weight behind the pleb movement, and we are incredibly grateful for each and every one of them. Uh, Choice by KT, Voltage Cloud, Folger Ventures, Bitcoin Magazine, Open Node Co., Ibex Mercado, uh, Dominate Strategies, Unchained Cap, and Capital Factory. These are the teams that stood up for a Bitcoin standard and helped to make this happen. Tonight will not soon be forgotten. Tonight is for the plebs. Tonight we show the world the power of doing Bitcoin business with Bitcoiners. Ask not what Bitcoin can do for you, but what you can do for Bitcoin. I love you all. Can't wait to see you tonight. All many handshakes and hugs to be shared. Ladies and gentlemen, we're talking about the Bitcoin block party, which is tonight in Austin, Texas on Rainy Street. I think it starts somewhere around 8 o'clock p.m., but why wait? Why don't you get your ass down there right now? Again, this event is tonight. It's going on. I want to give you the video that was, uh, or actually, you're, well, I'm going to give you the audio from the video that Kyle Murphy posted about this event. Here it is. Plebs, good morning. We're coming to you from Austin, Texas, 
the Bitcoin capital of the entire fucking world, right? So what we're here with is honestly a message and the message is you, the community. Basically what we're trying to put together here, well, forget trying to put together. The thing we're putting together here is the Bitcoin standard, right? This is what we all want. It's what we've all talked about. It's what we all fight for every single day. The time is now and what we're working on is the beginning of the Bitcoin paradigm here in Austin, Texas. December 2nd is where it all goes down. What I need? Well, actually, what we need, what the community needs, what we all need to do together is to be here to support this moment. This is the moment where it all begins right here in Austin, where it has all already begun. When I arrived here, it was apparent that this was the place for Bitcoin community. Now it's time to rally that community together and start what we all know is the future of the world. So, December 2nd, be prepared, get ready, and honestly, if you're not here, you're wrong. Be here. that song in a while it's nice even if it is just a clip of it sweet okay so what's the deal get your ass down to rainy street if you are anywhere close to the texas hill country you have no fucking excuse none whatsoever so here's what you're going to do you're going to get blue wallet or wallet of satoshi or strike or i don't know whatever it is that's going to feed your fancy for the lightning network and make sure it's lightning network compatible you put some fucking Satoshis on it. You hop your ass in a car and you get your ass down to Rainy Street in Austin, Texas tonight. Again, tonight. This is December the 2nd. This is going on tonight. By the time this episode hits the air, you guys will have hours to get your shit together. Get in a fucking car with your loaded up wallet and get your ass to Austin, Texas and get your ass down to Rainy Street. Why am I not going? I only got one car right now. <laughs> And I'm up in the Panhandle in Texas. That's a six-hour drive for me, bro. Um, If I had my second car, I would uh, have already figured out a way to get down there, and I would be there. But I can't. But I can bring you this public service announcement, this PSA, brought to you by our good friend, the Bitcoin bum, Kyle Murphy, down there in Austin, Texas. Go show your support. It's important. You're not just showing your support for Bitcoin. You're showing your support for the future of commerce. You're showing your support for Austin, Texas. You're showing your support for the state of Texas. You're showing your support for Kyle Murphy and his crew. You're showing support for all those Bitcoin cats that are down there in Austin, Texas. And if we can show beyond a shadow of a doubt, uh, beyond a shadow of any doubt, the way we see commerce working in the future, to these vendors, these shop owners, these bar owners, these restaurateurs, then they are never going to go back to the legacy system. They will keep the legacy system in their back pocket because a lot of people in Austin are still just not going to use Bitcoin. They either don't know about it or they don't want to get into it or whatever until it becomes a tipping point. This is your chance to push that thing over the tipping point. Whatever that thing is, whether it's a belief in Bitcoin, whether it's like, oh my God, this shit actually works and 
holy shit, where's, you know, what happened to the 2.4% service fee that Visa's charging me? All of that matters. This event, the Bitcoin block party, happening tonight in Austin, Texas, December 7th, beginning at 8 p.m., just get there early, please, might as well, on Rainy Street, is your chance to help do the things that we always talk about doing. Again, I would be there if I could, but, you know, I'm not going to walk to Austin. And, you know, we need another car because if I'm gone, somebody's got to go get the kids from school. So I'm not going to make my wife walk across, you know, halfway across town to go pick up the kids. Anyway, just get your ass down there. Um, Hold on for a sec. Oh, God, I just I deleted a tab and had to bring it back up. Sorry about the uh, pause there. This is uh, from at Don R-Y-U Art. Don R-Y-U Art. Uh, dated the November, November the 25th. He says, and he's, he's retweeting somebody who says, I recently saw artworks from Dan Howard Art sold as NFTs on OpenSea, but I don't know who to inform about it. Well, Don R-U what Don R-Y-U Art is apparently Don Howard's brother. And he was very, very angry about this. And he says, so apparently someone mined my dead brother's art for NFTs because there's absolutely nothing good about people who use NFTs. And he has an update in, a, in another tweet that was done on December the 2nd, or actually, sorry, not November the 26th. So one day later, the following occurs. Update. OpenSea responded to my ticket and has removed all of Dan Howard's artwork from their marketplace. Thank you very much for doing so. And thank you so much for all the support from everyone who reached out. What does this say about the way NFTs are being run right now? It's just a shit show. This is terrible on every level that I can possibly imagine. And it's just pathetic. We're talking about theft of a dead man's art being converted into NFTs and sold on the open marketplace on OpenSea. That's just bad because it's unethical, it's immoral, and it's like, what kind of piece of shit are you just lifting somebody else's art and passing it off as your own, okay? It, and making money from it. I mean, it's, it's unethical, it's immoral, it's pathetic, and it's terrible. But the second part about this is even is not, I don't know if it's worse or not. It's just as bad. We'll call it that. Let's call it just as bad. OpenSea took them all down. That NFT that you bought, worthless. It's never going, you're never going to be able to do anything with it because the way NFTs are being run right now is completely centralized not your keys. I mean, and, and all of us, well, uh, but this is my NFT. It's like, yeah, it's your NFT. But then, you know, if somebody doesn't want to put it on a marketplace, that's the true nature of non-fungibility, isn't it? Yep. You've got to uh, beg somebody to put that shit on the market so that some other idiot can buy it. Do you, do you see where this is going? I'm telling you, man, I think that there's probably a place for NFTs. I have a like one use case that I can even think of, and that's in video games for objects. But after that, I'm, I'm coming up bupkis on w- why these things even have value. If you have to depend on being able to list your said non-fungible token onto something where some other idiot can buy it, 
then you are always, always and forever going to be at the behest of a centralized authority. So have fun staying poor. Jack might stay poor. Well, he's already rich, but he may become a little bit poor. Uh, apparently there has been a stock price dip in Square after he announced, well, the following. Let's just let Nomsios tell us about it from Bitcoin Magazine. Jack Dorsey is now focused on making Bitcoin more than an investment. Payments giant Square will change its corporate name to Block Inc. The company said in a statement yesterday, Square Crypto, its subsidiary focused on funding Bitcoin development, is now called Spiral. The name alludes to Spiral's focus, Bitcoin, as it continues to grow like a spiral from a single point encompassing more and more space until it touches everything, Square tweeted. Quote, once Square decided to rebrand, we knew it was time for our own long overdue rebrand per Spiral's website. After all, Square Crypto was never the best name for our team. Having Square tied to its name drew a direct line between the corporate benefactor we are supposed to be independent of and us, Spiral said. On the other hand, having crypto in its name led to confusion as the company is focused solely on Bitcoin. Yeah, as they should be. An intention to better separate Square's many product lines and offerings was also the backbone reason for the corporate rebranding to Block. Square will now only represent Block's business sellers, or sorry, Block's seller business. Quote, we built the Square brand for our seller business, which is where it belongs, Jack Dorsey, co-founder and CEO of Block, said in a statement. Block is the new name, but our purpose of economic empowerment remains the same. No matter how we grow or change, we will continue to build tools to help increase across or help increase access to the economy. Square Inc. is expected to be legally changed to Block Inc. on December the 10th. But the company's NYSE ticker symbol, SQ, will not change. Square, Cash App, Title, and TBD will remain or will maintain all of their respective brands. Spiral and TBD are two initiatives under the Block's umbrella that focus entirely on Bitcoin, while Spiral is dedicated to building and funding open source projects aimed at making Bitcoin the planet's preferred currency. TBD is currently focused on developing a decentralized Bitcoin exchange. Square's rebranding came only a couple of days after CEO Jack Dorsey stepped down from his role as Twitter chief executive officer. All right, so Square's uh, stock sank 6% on today's trading because of all this, I guess. Um, do I care? No, not really. I mean, all, you know, all uh, stock prices at this point are completely overblown and incalculable at this point. And it's just, it's just a shit show. So no, I don't care. However, get ready for the FUD. Oh, look, look how much valuation was lost because of Bitcoin. Okay. So yeah, it's, it's going to happen. So just be prepared, be ready and have, have your, uh, your weaponry ready to fire back. Now in 2013, Wired destroyed the key to 13 BTC now worth $760,000. To make a point, Kira Wright is writing about it, Cointelegraph. There has been no shortage of people and institutions that woefully underestimated the potential of cryptocurrency. Among the ranks of one were Bitcoin naysayers, or sorry, among the ranks of once were Bitcoin naysayers is Wired, which destroyed the private key to a Bitcoin wallet holding 13.346 BTC back in 2013 in order to make the point that the cryptocurrency was nothing more than an abstraction. 
the Bitcoin in the inaccessible address is now worth $761,000. Thank you for your contributions to Bitcoin Wired. We really do actually appreciate it. And if you don't understand why, well, go figure it out. The less and less Bitcoin on the market, the more and more it's going to be valued. And we just uh, have remembered that, you know, 13.34 of those are now gone basically forever, un completely unrecoverable. Anyway, author Robert McMillan, who now is a reporter with the Wall Street Journal, set up a Butterfly Labs Bitcoin mining rig in the corner of his office at Wired to see what all the fuss was about. And at the conclusion of his little experiment, he was far from impressed. Quote, the world's most popular digital currency really is nothing more than an abstraction, he wrote. The journalist deliberated on what to do with the Bitcoin at the time, initially considering donating them to charity. Quote, but in the end, the answer was obvious. We're destroying the private key used by our Bitcoin wallet, end quote. That leaves our growing pile of Bitcoin lucre locked away in the digital vault for all eternity or at least until someone cracks the SHA-256 encryption that secures it. Oh, Jesus Christ. Oh, you're not cracking it. Oh my God. Oh, this is, it says that so flippantly, but he has no idea what happens if somebody actually breaks SHA-256. His whole life goes down the fucking toilet because everything that he uses is based on SHA-256. Bitcoin just uses it because it's a very strong encryption algorithm, right? Not because it was purpose-built for Bitcoin. SHA-256 was around well before fucking Bitcoin was around. Come on, man. See, and th now he's writing for the Wall Street Journal, so the idiocy continues, and so shall we. At the time, the Butterfly Labs ASIC was churning out an average of two BTC every 10 days, Wired noted in the article that 2BTC was worth around $220 at the time. Now they'd worth be, be worth about fifty-seven dollars each, or $112,000 for the pair, an increase of around 51,000%. In 2013, it took an average of 13 hours to mine one BTC using an ordinary PC. By 2014, that time had grown to 23 days, and in 2021, it would take 10 years to mine one BTC, according to the New York Times. Even back in 2013, however, Bitcoin mining difficulty had been increasing exponentially. McMillan complained that it had become about 10 million times harder to win the Bitcoin mining lottery since 2009. Reddit user Ulamartinix highlighted the article in a post on Wednesday, writing that the whole debacle shows how we have come a long way from 2013. But many other users weren't so forgiving, such as you, Cappy2020, who commented, serves them right for being so arrogant, adding, even if you thought Bitcoin was just daydreaming, at least hold on to it in the off chance that you could, maybe, be wrong. Meanwhile, you baked potato 8040 wrote, it's not surprising to find posts from the past to have this opinion of Bitcoin. The real ones who deserve criticism are the people who still have these opinions today. So fear, you know, cry, you know, pour one out for Wired. But again, this is the kind of idiocy that controls mainstream media. Wired is a very well-read publication. I don't have to say the same thing about Wall Street Journal for you to understand just how important that publication is to the masses. And I mean by important, what I mean is they are important for the masses to get their information from. 
Whether that information is good or bad is beside the point. But these are the kinds of people that are running those shows. They have literally no idea what they're doing. They have no vision of the future. And these are the people that are telling us that I need to go get vaccinated. Yeah, for anybody listening to me right now that thinks that I should be vaccinated and I am not, kindly go fuck yourself and stop listening to my show, stop following my Twitter list, and stop following me and just block my ass because I regard you as a scumbag piece of shit. I'm sorry, but that's the way it is. I have seen nothing but damage from the vax. I have seen nothing but huge, massive amounts of sorrowful stories, especially about young people who are never going to be right again. And by right, I mean physically able to do shit that they were doing the day before the fucking vaccination hit them. Stop it. If you think I should get vaxxed, keep it to yourself, right? If I think you shouldn't be vaxxed, guess what? I'm keeping it to myself because I don't believe that. If you want to go get vaxxed, fine, go do it. Leave me out of all of your decisions and stop blaming me for shit that you cannot blame upon me. Sorry, little rant there. Uh, Fidelity Canada officially launched a Bitcoin ETF and Bitcoin mutual fund. Uh, holding such ETS, oh, I messed that up. Zishuan Sun is writing this for Cointelegraph. On Thursday, Fidelity Canada officially launched the Fidelity Advantage Bitcoin Exchange Traded Fund and the Fidelity Advantage Bitcoin ETF Fund, which is a mutual fund, marking the first such assets to be made available in the country and confirming early reports on the matter. The funds have the tickers FBTC and FBTC.U, denominated in Canadian and United States dollars and are listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange. Fidelity's Bitcoin ETFs seek to track the performance of Bitcoin's spot price. Fidelity currently manages $208 billion Canadian dollars in assets in the country. The ETFs will have an annual management fee of 0.4%. Operating expenses and trading costs are not yet available as the assets are still new. Over 98% of Bitcoin purchased by the funds is stored in cold wallets. The implications are significant for Canadian retail investors who, who, who open government registered accounts, such as the tax-free savings account, and purchase Bitcoin ETFs. As the name implies, securities held in a TFSA are exempt from capital gains tax liabilities. Since 2009, the annual contribution limit for a TFSA has ranged from 3,900 uh, Canadian or 3,903 US dollars to 7,807 US dollars. Unused contributions from the previous years are carried forward, making them cumulative. In addition, all realized profits accrued in the TFSA are added back into the contribution room. Hypothetically, if an investor purchases $10,000 in a Bitcoin ETF and sells them for $20,000, then further capital appreciation from reinvesting the full $20,000, not $10,000, will be eligible for capital gains tax exemptions. So those things just fired up today. And I was unaware that a mutual fund was actually going to be part of that. So an interesting set of events there. And now we have this one from Nam Cios out of Bitcoin Magazine. Bitcoin node maker Noddle launches lightning only product. <laughs> nice. Hardware Bitcoin node provider Noddle has introduced Noddle Lite, a lightning network node 
offering geared toward merchants in developing countries, according to a statement sent to Bitcoin Magazine. The lightweight device enables merchants to accept Bitcoin payments through Lightning while retaining complete control of their wallets and keys. Quote, Merchants using Nautil Lite will have full control over a dedicated Lightning node while benefiting from shared Bitcoin Core and payment processing resources hosted by Nautil in their cloud infrastructure, per the statement. Continuing the quote, this hybrid setup is a novel, modular approach that highlights efforts made to bring Bitcoin to a wider public while maintaining a strong focus on security, end quote. The product's development was prompted by the approval of Bitcoin as legal tender in El Salvador back in September, Noddle said. The company sought to create an effortless way for merchants in the Central American country to accept Bitcoin in exchange for their goods and services in a self-sovereign way. Quote, while this news was extremely well received overall by the Bitcoin community, it raised two main questions around the implementation of the new law at such a large scale and within a very short time frame. First, how much education would be necessary to onboard 7 million new users? Second, how could this onboarding be done without resorting to centralized custodial or government tools, per the statement? The open source node-in-a-box solution aims to help people be genuinely inserted into the Bitcoin economy, enabling them to be truly financially sovereign. When using custodial or centralized Bitcoin solutions, most of the monetary's network value proposition is lost. Noddle Lite will be available in early 2022 at an MSRP of under $200, the company said. Holy shit. And I'm looking at it right now and it's, it's, a, nice, it's a nice little box. It's, it's, it fits in the, side, in the palm of your hand, has an antenna, a couple of USB ports, and, well, uh, 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 oh God, an Ethernet connect. And I am assuming that the antenna on the back is to keep in touch through maybe mesh networks. Is there a LoRa on here? I don't know. The NAMCS didn't really go through it, but the antenna does give me hope that this is going to be set up for mesh networking. And we cannot, we cannot forget how important mesh networking is going to be. It's already pretty important, but it's going to become critical infrastructure. So if you don't know what mesh networks are, please, 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 for the love of God, go DuckDuckGo it, okay? Just go to DuckDuckGo and say, what the hell is a mesh network? And look up LoRa, L-O-R-A. And I, sometimes there's a space in between it, and other times it's just capital L, lowercase o, capital R, and lowercase a. And look at, uh, oh, there's a couple of, there's also a couple of uh, companies out there that produce mesh networking products, but essentially it's a, it's a radio system of nodes that at one point or another has an off ramp to the, the internet is large. Go, you need to go read about it. Okay. I'm, I'm not going to belabor it here because we got Facebook news to read. God forbid. Facebook reverses crypto ad band following metaverse NFT push. Oh, yay. Isn't that just great? Um, Expect your aunts and uncles to start asking you a lot more questions about Bitcoin and, God forbid, NFTs. By the way, this is out of Decrypt and Jeff Benson is writing it. That's because Facebook, the most popular social media application in the United States among older adults, said today would no longer prevent most cryptocurrency advertisements from appearing on the site. Quote, we're doing this because the cryptocurrency landscape has continued to mature and stabilize in recent years 
and has seen more government regulations that are setting clearer rules for the industry, the company said in a statement. Whereas crypto advertisers, including exchanges, lending applications, wallets, and mining software previously needed to present the social media company with a slew of information, plus at least one of three regulatory licenses, they now just have to present any of 27 different licenses. Facebook, which recently renamed itself Meta to highlight its metaversal ambitions, first prohibited crypto ads on January 30th, 2018, saying the ban was to protect mom and pop investors. The type of everyday folk who rely on the social network for hometown gossip and world news alike from fraud. Okay, that's their demographic right there. Mom and pop, old people. Okay, like, I'm sorry, dude, but Facebook is like, Facebook, in my opinion, is going to be relegated to the obituary page. Sorry, but it's just the way it's going to be. Quote, we want people to continue to discover and learn about new products and services through Facebook ads without fear of scams or deception, it wrote at the time. Quote, that said, there are many companies who are advertising binary options, ICOs, and cryptocurrencies that are not currently operating in good faith. It added that the policy was intentionally broad as it refined its tools for detecting deceptive ads. Through the ban, or though the ban had ramifications across Facebook platform and meta properties such as Instagram, there were ways around it. Celebrity influencer Kim Kardashian, for example, posted a paid promotion on IG of Ethereum Max, a token that briefly did the rounds among celebrities this summer. <clears throat> Through uh, Facebook's blanket ad ban, or though, God, sorry guys, though Facebook's <laughs> blanket ad ban was decried across the crypto industry, its reversal comes at a suspiciously opportune time for the tech company. In addition to becoming more, quote, mature in recent years, crypto has gone mainstream with Coinbase, Robinhood, and other apps making assets easy to buy and helping their prices skyrocket. There's money to be made, so hawking of the product is no longer a bad look. Ironically, the reversal comes just one day after Facebook executive David Marcus announced his departure from Novi, the crypto wallet Facebook had been creating since 2018. God, and you still ain't got shit for it to show for it. Marcus had steered Facebook's attempts to build its own cryptocurrency, Diem, which is yet to be released. If and when it is, your folks will probably read about it on Facebook. See, that Zuckerberg is about the most unethical piece of shit you will ever find right behind Bill Gates. Sorry, that's just the way it is. He has reversed the stance, not just because it's more mature, that's all bullshit. It was mature. It was very mature. It was actually fairly get, fairly mature in 2018. Come on, man. This is all bullshit. He did it because they're planning on, well, they got the metaverse rolling out and there's going to be digital assets inside the metaverse and they're going to do NFTs and they're going to scam people out of their money. And the only way that they can let people know where to put their money that they can get scammed out of is advertising on the obituary page that is Facebook. So fuck off and die, guys. Fidelity Canada. Oh, sorry. That was the wrong one. Hold on. Oh, oh I know why. Because we got to run the numbers. CNBC's commodities page shows West Texas Intermediate up one and a half points, but still sucking swamp water down there around $66.50. Brent North Sea is up 1.18%, $69.68 a barrel for that. Natural gas is getting taking it on the chin again, 
1.24% to the downside, brings it all the way down to $4.20 per thousand cubic feet. We have not seen that price in quite a few months. Gasoline has dipped below $2 as far as the commodities page is concerned. And that is actually after a damn near 2% rise in the price of it today. Gold, oh, getting pummeled, down 1%, <clears throat> 1766 Silver, likewise, down, but only scant, $22.28. Platinum is down a full half point, 930 bucks. Copper is up one and a quarter, and palladium is up three quarters. Agricultural futures are all, or futures, the commodities prices are all up today with, get this, wheat and cocoa posting three plus percent gains. Wheat is at almost, well, almost 3.5% and cocoa is just skirting under 4%. My God almighty. Coffee is up a percent. Soybeans are up over a percent. And corn, oh, look at the corn, is up 1.4%. And NASDAQ is, oh, sorry, let's start with Dow, <clears throat> up almost two points. S&P futures is up a point and a half. NASDAQ is up 0.77. And the S&P mini is up two and a half points. So there's a little bit of rebounding going on today. But we got real money on the line here at 56. Oh, God, the 58K gang, would you guys please go away? $56,356, 306,000 transactions performed in the last 24 hours is just shy of 13,000 transactions every hour on the hour. With 1.23 million BTC being sent in that period, that's 51,500 BTC being sent every hour on the hour with four BTC being the average transaction value and 1.0, or not 1 point, 0 0.015 BTC is the median transaction value and that is $845. Block times are low. Again, apparently we had a downward difficulty adjustment. Nine minutes and 32 seconds. 0.139 BTC taken in fees in the on a per block basis and over 20 BTC uh, taken in fees in the last 24 hours with an 11.23% jump in hash rate. We are back up to 161 and a half exahashes per second. And your shitcoin indicator, Dogecoin, is rounding out at 20.9 United States pennies. There are 3,800 transactions waiting on 18 blocks to clear. We have $1.07 trillion of market capitalization, which is 9.21% of gold's entire market cap. And if you want shiny metal rocks, well, you can get 31.9 ounces of them for your one Bitcoin, of which there are 18,889,000. 35.25 in circulation and 3,282.9 of those are locked up in the Lightning Network valued at $185 million being run over 18,390 nodes. Let me pause because it was not so long ago that when I was reporting these numbers of nodes that I was happy when we crossed 5,000 nodes. And that was not long ago, ladies and gentlemen. We are at 18,390 right now. And they host 80,925 payment channels and 74.8% all that shit's being run over Tor with 11,187 nodes that we can see handling about 2,455.46 BTC. And that's going to do it for Vitals.
Welcome to part two of the news you can use. And we're going to start off with Craig Wright. That's right, Craig Wright. <laughs> I promised I wasn't going to do this. And I know I'm breaking my promise. But I figured we're, we're at a point in this trial that maybe it's kind of safe to start looking at what, what's going on without, you know, people throwing too many rocks at me. But if you want to throw rocks at me, my DMs are open on Twitter, or you can just drag me over the coals out in public on Twitter. I'm, I'm good with that. But Brian Neuer is going to get us into this from Cointelegraph. The jury in the Craig Wright lawsuit cannot all agree on a verdict. Okay, so they are basically, the, the trial's over except for the crying and clearly the deliberation. The court case between Australian Craig Wright and the estate of his now deceased friend David Kleeman over legal rights to tens of billions of dollars worth of Bitcoin uh, mined by Satoshi Nakamoto could end in a mistrial if jurors remain deadlocked. Right. We may have to do this all over again is what I'm getting at. Wright claims he used the pseudonym Satoshi Nakamoto when he invented Bitcoin. The case being deliberated began back in 2018 when the estate of his associate Kleeman sued him on grounds the pair were partners who invented and mined Bitcoin together. By about 5 p.m. UTC on Wednesday, the jury was deadlocked having issued the following statement. Quote, Unfortunately, we cannot come to a conclusion and we cannot all agree on a verdict on any of the questions, end quote. As of 10 p.m. UTC, the jury remained deadlocked and is set to return on Thursday, which is today, according to a court reporter, Carolina Bellotta from Law 360. Judge Beth Bloom issued an Allen charge instructing the jury to continue deliberating until it reaches a verdict. She said, quote, I suggest that you now carefully re-examine and reconsider all the evidence in light of the court's instructions on the law, end quote. If the jury is still unable to reach a verdict, however, the judge could declare a mistrial. The stakes are high. Both sides contend that Wright is Satoshi. However, they are at odds over the ownership of 1.1 million BTC mined at the time. As of today, that 1.1 million BTC is worth 62, what, yeah, 62.5, no, God, 62.5 billion dollars. Is that right? Oh my, ugh, whatever. In court, Dave Kleeman's brother, Ira, argued on behalf of the estate that Wright broke an oral agreement with David to mine Bitcoin and develop its technology together. Wright claims that no such partnership existed in that, at most, Kleeman proofread the Bitcoin white paper since he was not a developer and could not have debugged the Bitcoin code. This is never going to end. Apparently, Calvin Ayer, who's backing all this shit with his billions of dollars that he took off of the idiots that went over to his online gambling and poker sites, uh, is funding this entire thing. And apparently, he has no end to the amount of money that he can shove into this goddamn trial because if this ends in a mistrial, this shit's going back to court. It's going to happen. Mark my words, it's going to happen. And how these idiots are, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. All I, but what I really do want to do is I want to read you this quote from CoinGeek. I know. But my wife, my wife sent me this article and she's like, did you get the article? And I just looked at her and I'm like going, dude, it's from CoinGeek. And she's like, I know, I know it's, it's bullshit, but you've got to actually read this thing. I'm not going to read the whole thing on air because this is all you need to know. Somewhere around the center of this article, it says, Craig 
has been mocked and ridiculed ever since coming out onto the public stage around 2015. Some could argue this was his own doing, but once you learn more of the details, you'll discover why it all ended up the way it did. But you know who else has been laughed at and or ridiculed by experts or authorities during their lifetimes? Jesus, Joan of Arc, Galileo, Charles Darwin, Nikola Tesla, Alan Turing, and more. It wasn't until much later that these people get the recognition that they deserve. Coin Geeks is uh, Calvin Ayer's outfit, by the way, if you didn't know. And they have just compared Craig Wright to Jesus, Joan of Arc, Charles Darwin, Nikola Tesla, Alan Turing, and Galileo. If that doesn't turn your stomach today, I don't know what will. And if you just ate lunch or something, I'm sorry, pal. I'm sorry. I'll try to make it up, make it up to you with this one by Bitcoin Vegan and Dwadu Amantana, I think is the name it's pronounced out of Bitcoin Magazine, The Invisible Incentives of Bitcoin. I recently had the pleasure of speaking with Marty Bent, the laid-back Philadelphian with a penchant for Bitcoin mining and founder of Tales from the Crypt podcast. We talked about my journey and how I came about writing my book, From Bars to Bitcoin, a coming-of-age story in which prison ushered Bitcoin into my life for the better. I did not need a halfway house when I came home from incarceration because Bitcoin gave me the necessary skills to reintegrate into society at a pace only a book could highlight. During the podcast, a revelation hit me on the real reason behind Bitcoin's incentives. You know, the tangible things that keep plebs and investors up at night. What incentives does fiat money give society that may sway so many members of a society to push morality to the side, even to the extent that they may even commit a crime to obtain it? Looking at the staggering numbers of incarceration in America, it's easy to see that this happens with regularity. Crime pays, and it delivers in fiat at greater levels than Bitcoin. The media may uphold Bitcoin's few cases of cybercrime and its shadowy supercoder founder as something that threatens the security of the reserve currency. That truth is that crimes committed with Bitcoin are few and far between. Bitcoin, in my opinion, gives a more peaceful, inclusive, and better return of honest money as an incentive than anything man has ever seen before. The initial idea ran through my mind at an earlier date while reading Mastering Bitcoin, but conversing with Marty brought renewed feelings on the topic. Mining is one of those many Bitcoin incentives. To the misinformed, mining may seem like an energy-dependent money grab, a well-run series of S9 miners toiling at mathematical problems, hashing away for a solution seems to result from acquiring Bitcoin with a high price tag. Even my granddaddy tried his hand at mining by buying an old ant miner to no avail. That's how powerful Bitcoin is. No matter what, if you are attached to Bitcoin, if it goes up, you go up with it. That is why Bitcoin is the only thing I hold. For the record, I'm not some hardcore Bitcoin miner. I am merely posing a question to the Bitcoin community about their incentives to acquire. What is the real motivation for mining Bitcoin? That one question can quickly peel back many other layers of hidden incentives. What I mean by hidden is that a lot of people believe these incentives are or solely revolve around money. The overall price of Bitcoin goes up, then people get overly excited. That's what messes up newbies during the orange pill process because they have no idea what mining entails. 
At the surface level, it is hard to understand that mining Bitcoin keeps the network decentralized, and it is way bigger than just earning Bitcoin as a monetary reward. It is also about creating a new financial structure on Earth that treats all fairly as equals, which cannot be manipulated to the benefit of the few at the top. Bitcoin is sound money. Bitcoin saves the world while you tweet, while you surf the internet, and so many are not paying attention. Here is how. Mining is a complex topic at the base level, but mining secures the network and it assures the automated mathematical issuance of new Bitcoin. For example, in 2021, every 10 minutes, 6.25 new Bitcoin are added to the worldwide ledger and placed into a certain block. What does that look like every day? That's 900 new Bitcoin. The issuance of Bitcoin and everything around that issuance encompasses that hard cap of 21 million, demanding that a certain fixed amount of Bitcoin come out every day on the path to that total 21 million, or 21 million Bitcoin. That structure's predictability is the base layer as to why Bitcoin has a 200% compound annual growth for over a decade. Ah, the CAGR. Mining acts as a decentralized mint for Bitcoin. When miners add a new block to the blockchain, a set number of unique Bitcoin is rewarded. They are also rewarded with fees from transactions, which serve as another po powerful financial incentive. How do we compare that to something in the real world? Within fiat history, there has never been a form of money issuance that relied solely on following mathematical rules. Previously, money issuance was based simply on political policies, whims, and even just human emotion. We have our most significant example with COVID-19. 20% of U.S. dollars in existence were printed in 2020 alone to save the economy, or better yet, to save Wall Street. Even the Federal Reserve uh, Chair Jerome Powell lost his faith in the M2, saying, quote, right now, M2 money supply, or the M2 money supply does not really have important implications. It is something that we have to unlearn. This should raise some eyebrows. Damn, dude, Bitcoin vegan? Indeed it does. However, while governments worldwide increased their money printing, the Bitcoin network still kept mining the same consistent amount it was programmed to do, which helped to stabilize the world. That decentralized set, issuance of mining, coupled with the built-in having concept, is a trustable incentive and the real reason why you mine Bitcoin. In the face of a pandemic, Bitcoin's issuance amount was cut in half and still served as a valuable store of wealth when the fiat system did not. A halving of the, new, or of the amount of new Bitcoin issued occurs every 210,000 blocks, which is every four years, more or less. Lowering that number at a, pace, at a steady pace is the genius of Satoshi. Keeping the network on an issued schedule of scarcity increases the value of the coin over time, ensuring that demand exceeds supply. Another inv invisible incentive is that a lot of manipulation is impossible due to the fact that you can't add or decrease the block size. You can't alter the amount of Bitcoin supply being created. This brings about an incentive for you to continuously hold on to it. It upholds the deinflationary nature of Bitcoin. Even the HODL method, for example, may just be the greatest invisible incentive in the, in the Bitcoin world of all time. What is the incentive for HODLing? A lot of people believe HODLing is about increasing your fiat value and keeping Bitcoin off the exchanges. And yeah, that's important. However, HODLing requires holding your Bitcoin for a long time after converting your fiat dollars into it, trusting that the exponential increase in Bitcoin's value is also fixed a fixed fact of life. 
It creates a recipe for destroying the fiat system. However, so many believe it is only for making money. Bitcoin's actual design is to empower the people because the people in control of the money can't go against their own nature. So they keep printing money. When people used to ask, can Bitcoin end the banks? I used to think it couldn't. But the longer you hodl, the more you strengthen Bitcoin. And that answer begins to lean more towards a definite yes. Satoshi wrote Bitcoin's core code to be impregnable and aligned from top to bottom. So the more fiat dollars siphoned out of the system into Bitcoin, the weaker centralized control becomes. And more people are doing this without being aware that they are doing so. El Salvador, for example, the citizens are still spending U.S. dollars, but during the recent price strike, they are slowly starting to realize the common sense value of hodling as the value of any Bitcoin they own increases. You don't have to teach the value of saving with Bitcoin. Understanding Bitcoin will do that for you. That time will come when you start to notice your fiat money is not working for you and the whole monetary system is tainted with corruption. That's when those incentives of Bitcoin take hold and are always at work. You are upholding the network you are participating in and by doing that, you are actively increasing the role and importance of Bitcoin in the world and thereby disrupting the system of old. So again, that was Bitcoin Vegan with the help of Duwadu uh, Amamanda. I can't pronounce his name again. So I was doing good that first time, but there's just no way. Uh, but yeah, if you haven't heard a Bitcoin Vegan's interview with Marty Bent on Tales from the Crypt, I highly recommend it. It's, it's pretty eye-opening. The dude's pretty sharp and he's been through a lot. I mean, seeing the inside of prison is something that I don't think anybody should have to ever do, but he fucked up. He got caught. He went to prison, and I think it was for three years. Uh, I, he was in there for a good long time. Good long time. Anyway, thank you, Bitcoin Vegan, for that one. <clears throat> now, Bitcoin miner Riot Blockchain buys an electrical supplier named ESS Metron for $50 million. Talk about holy vertical integration, Batman. Holy shit. Bitcoin miner Riot Blockchain has acquired electrical equipment solutions provider ESS Metron, according to a press release released on Wednesday. The transaction is valued at about $50 million and the payment will be made in 715,000 shares of Riot Common Stock and $25 million in cash. By the way, this is Nomsios writing for Bitcoin Magazine. Quote, the successful acquisition of ESS Metron marks yet another milestone in establishing Riot as a leader in Bitcoin mining, Riot CEO Jason Less said in the release. Riot's strategic position across the electrical supply chain is significantly enhanced as the company will benefit from Metron's existing relationships with leading electrical suppliers globally. Denver-based Metron is a key supplier to Riot's Winstone, Texas facility being highly complementary to Riot and its ongoing expansion towards 700 megawatts. The electrical equipment maker has 60 years of experience and provides highly engineered custom product offerings that are mission critical to deploy Bitcoin mining operations at scale. Quote, we're excited to continue the growth of Metron's business by joining Riot Blockchain. Uh, said Stephen Howell, newly promoted CEO of ESS Metron, quote, we look forward to continuing to provide best-in-class service to our growing customer base and actively collaborating with Riot in its ongoing expansion efforts. The closer integration of the supplier into Riot's operations will allow the Bitcoin miner to ensure the timely installation of new rigs. However, the electric uh, equipment provider is expected to keep operating as an independent subsidiary of Riot 
and retain its entire employee team. XMS Capital Partners LLC served as Riot's financial advisor and Sidley Austin LLP served as the legal advisor on this deal. All right, so vertical integration. This just means that Riot Blockchain has basically first dibs on stock of electrical components that are being built by ESS Metron and that puts them in a very well-placed position. In fact, unless any other miner that is out there has the same setup, Riot Blockchain just got the advantage because these supply chain issues are going to continue people and they did the smart move by buying a fucking electrical supplier. I mean, dude, that was, it, it's not even a stroke of brilliance. It's like, well, that's just pure logic, Batman. I mean, come on. Anyway, so it's a done deal and it looks like it's going to work in their favor. Uh, what do we got next? <laughs> Cointelegraph Brian Neuer tells us that the Badger Dow reportedly suffers security breach and loses $10 million. I'll bet you it's a flash loan attack. Let's find out. The Badger Dow centralized finance protocol appears to have suffered from a cyber attack leading to the loss of a reported $10 million at the time of writing. The attack, which was made public at about 2 a.m. UTC on December the 2nd, targeted the protocol on the Ethereum network at contract address, and then they give an OX contract address. And what Spreakaway has this uh, tweet. For your information, nasty front-end attack on Badger looks like $10 million taken out of people's wallets using rug approval. If you've interacted with anything Badger-related in the last few weeks, check and revoke ASAP. Okay. Users that have interacted with this contract are urged to revoke permission from their wallet. To revoke a permission of a contract, visit etherscan.com and log in with a wallet you believe may be exposed. Although the attack only happened recently, permission for the contract may have been established weeks ago. The total unconfirmed losses come to about $10.6 million. The Badger Dow team has not confirmed the exploit, but it issued a tweet at 4.30 a.m. UTC acknowledging that there may or that there have been reports of problems. All smart contracts on Badger Dow have been paused in an effort to prevent any more potentially malicious withdrawals. Let's see what the uh, Badger tweet says. Badger has received reports of unauthorized withdrawals of user funds. As Badger engineers investigate this, all smart contracts have been paused to prevent further withdrawals. Our investigation is ongoing and we will release further information as soon as possible. That's the end of that Badger tweet. Early reports claim that some users received unusual spend requests from the smart contracts on the protocol. It is suspected that these requests were the attack in action through the front end of the protocol, and some have revised the value of suspected losses to upwards of $100 million, with one user reportedly losing $90 million. On Badger's official Discord server, core contributor Tritium wrote, quote, it looks like a bunch of users had approval set for the exploit address allowing it to operate on their vault funds, and that was exploited. Badger is down 15% to $22.71 at the time of writing on CoinGecko. So what you're telling me is that if I had an Ethereum wallet and I used that wallet to interact with this particular address, then a smart contract now has a backdoor into my Ethereum wallet forever? Are you serious? 
This isn't a flash loan attack. This is straight up hacking the living shit out of the contract. And it looks to me like this shit is, oh, dudes. If for whatever reason you are thinking about jumping into DeFi, let me tell you this. If you do, I'm going to leave your ass to drown. I'll just, I'll watch. Hell, I'll take pictures of your drowning ass and I'll put them on fucking social media saying, ha ha, look, he's dying. Because if you're this stupid, then you deserve all the drowning and shark attacks and, and, and the bones of what's left over that sink to the ocean floor be consumed by sea worms. That's what you deserve. If after all this time and all these DeFi attacks, that I've told you about, and you still want to get into this shit, then you deserve every bit of that and more. But we have one more here. Uh, Van Eck files to launch digital asset mining ETF. This is out of Coindesk. Ayan Ashraf is writing it. Uh, the fund will invest at least 80% of its total assets in securities of digital asset mining firms that generate or have the potential to earn at least 50% of their revenues from mining activities or related technologies. The ETF's holdings may include small and medium cap companies and foreign and emerging market issuers. It may also invest in depository receipts and securities denominated in foreign currencies. The ETF uh, won't invest directly in digital assets, nor will it invest in initial coin offerings. The filing didn't provide details of the planned ETF's ticker, listing date, or related fees. Other ETFs that are listed in the U.S. and have heavy exposure to crypto mining, including Veridi Cleaner Energy Crypto Mining and Semiconductor ETF, which is up 45% since its inception in June, and Bitwise Crypto Industry Innovators ETF, which has climbed 26% since launching earlier this year. Vanek launched a Bitcoin futures ETF in mid-November, the third such fund to debut since U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission Chair Gary Gensler expressed his preference for Bitcoin ETFs that invested in futures rather than directly in Bitcoin itself. Gee, I wonder why. Its proposal for a spot Bitcoin ETF was rejected by the STF, or the, oh God, the SEC. Again, I wonder why. Why? Because... If they were to have a spot Bitcoin ETF where you actually could just buy the, the, the Bitcoin at the institutional you know, levels at scale, well, my, you would probably see the devaluation of the United States dollar to the point that our entire naval fleet in the Pacific sinks automatically in response. Who knows? But that's going to do it for the afternoon roundup. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Thursday, December the 2nd, and it is time for a joke. Well, it's time to get my winter car ready and put away my automobile. Automobile. Get it? Got it? Good. Okay, so again, uh, to make sure that I remind you guys properly, uh, at the head of the show, I was talking about the gentleman, Kyle Murphy. He's one of the crew of people that are putting, putting together the Bitcoin block party, which is tonight, December the 2nd, I believe at eight o'clock. Let's go through and I'm just going to go ahead and get some information here. This was posted to the Istoin, uh, Istoin, 
what's wrong with me? Austin Bitcoin Club. That is www.austinbitcoinclub, all one word, dot com. And it is the Bitcoin block party on December the 2nd. Let's uh, see if we can get any more information about it here. Awesome Bitcoin Club will be throwing the biggest Bitcoin block party this upcoming Thursday, which is today. Today is Thursday. It's today. Okay, tonight. We, we will meet up at our usual spot at Capital Factory for our pleb symposium, then walk over to Rainy for the night's festivities. Make sure to RSVP to save your spot. Okay, that's a good piece of information. Uh, go to uh, austinbitcoinclub.com. And it is Bitcoin hyphen block or forward slash Bitcoin hyphen block hyphen party hyphen DEC for December hyphen second or, or the number two in ND. And I don't know if, I mean, I mean, are, you know, honestly, are they going to just tell you not that you can't be on rainy street? No, they're not going to do that. But if you can, there's an RSVP thing here. Anyway, make sure you're at Capital Factory by 6.30 p.m. if you want to walk with Kyle to Rainy Street with the Bitcoin flag. We will be leaving Capital Factory around 7.15 to 7.30 p.m. So here's the time and location. 8 p.m. Central Standard Time uh, today, or uh, okay, it's gonna go from 8 p.m. tonight to 2 a.m. tomorrow. You're gonna if you if you don't need to if you don't want to go to Capital Factory or whatever, it just the time and location it says here is 70 Rainy Street, Austin, Texas, 78701. That is 7070 Rainy Street, Austin, Texas, 78701. If I remember correctly, Rainy Street or where this is is out there. I want to say that it's just west of Interstate 35 close to uh, um, Town Lake. Um, it's, in that, it's in that area, if I remember right. Anyway, again, one more time. 70 Rainy Street, Austin, Texas. That is tonight at eight o'clock. There will be food trucks and there's gonna be lots of vendors who are going to be accepting Lightning Network payments for goods and services. And there's bars and there's drinks and there's food trucks and there's there's, you know, restaurants and there's probably a coffee shop if you don't want to get bombed out of your tree or whatever. But please, if you are within earshot of me and you are within driving distance of Austin, Texas, tonight is your night to shine. I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin and, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.